I never thought the day would come that we'd have more apples than we knew what to do with, but that day has finally arrived. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of July the 31st, 2014. We have normally learned to expect pears to perform better for us than apples, um, and that experience is shared by others. It seems pears are better suited for central Alabama than, than apples are. Uh, but this year, for some reason, our pears just didn't do well at all. Well, we know one of the reasons, actually. Well, we know that, yeah, that's true. We know that we had a late season frost after the pears had set fruit, and it just devastated the pears. Everybody except the kefir. The kefir seemed to. Well, come we've only got there. like two or three pears well, on the tree. That's so. something. <laughs> um, the, the apples set fruit later and just came roaring in for us this year. And so we are realizing just what a role diversity plays in a small operation like ours. I would, you know, if you'd ask me to commit oh, one or the other, I would have said, oh, pears. You know, you can do without apples, but yeah. pears are your lifeblood. Not this year. Not this year, because some of the really good producers for us last year in the pear department, the Orient, I suppose, and the Moonglow, um, were the, among those that had their blooms knocked off by the late frost, and so we have nothing there. Nothing, just trees. And, you know, the trees are fine. They'll come back next year. But it's just a great illustration of how it makes sense to have lots of different options going so when you have a problem with one cultivar, another will come through for you. And it's worth emphasizing that this is not all the apples. It's mainly three cultivars of apples, wine sap, anna, and southern gold. Um, we didn't get anything to speak of from the Fuji, from the Granny Smith, from the Carter's Blue, from the Spur Arkansas Black. It's basically a story about wine sap, anna, and southern gold. And we should go ahead and acknowledge that the wine sap and the anna trees are the four more, most mature trees. True. And the southern gold might have been more productive if it hadn't been such a young tree. Perhaps. So we might have gotten more from it. Right. You're right. And it's one that you have trellised and you keep it cut back. So do you think it'll ever produce as much as the larger trees? You know, that's a great trees? question. And, and it's worth having a preliminary conversation about, you know, the, the base philosophy of our orchard is trellis everything we can. And the four trees that produced the most apples are the ones that are not trellised. They've gotten bigger. They're more healthy. They're more stable, I guess. And we're getting a whole lot of fruit from those four untrellised apple trees. So maybe we need to plant some more southern gold with no trellis. It's a thought. It's a it's thought. It's a thought. You know, it's yeah. just something to plug in and to think about. I, I'm, I'm confident that over time the, the trellised trees will come through for us, but they are getting a slower start. Right. Well, um, 
let's talk about the apples, exactly how much production we got this season. And of course, we lost some to birds and, you know, we'd see a little pecked place and our chickens got a little bit of <laughs> treat out of that. We'd, we'd toss the, the um, apple, careful not to let them have seeds, but, but to, they would you know, peck the outside of the I'm apple. I'm less careful than you are. I know. Well, they're not supposed to have them. But anyway, um, but other than that, a li- just a little bit of loss, we had, um, did we, we never really measured how many bushels we harvested. No, and you know, I'm not real smart about bushels. I, I'm, I'm, I can talk to you about what I observed, which is I filled up that large galvanized steel tub with apples and you know, if I had to guess, maybe a little more than two bushels of right. apples. Well, and next year, maybe we can figure that out. But um, I know that you made 40 jars of apple jam, and in term, they were different sizes of jars. So let's just summarize how much. You made four and a half gallons of apple jam. And let's talk a little bit about what apple jam means here at Longleaf Breeze. I use the peelings. And the flesh, I don't. I do core the apples so they don't have any seeds in them, but they do have skin, and they have lots of apple bits and pieces in them. That's why I don't call it jelly; it's jam because you can you can taste the apple, and you can feel the apple against your tongue and, and teeth good. when you it eat it. Tastes good that way. Oh, it's delicious. It when Adrian tasted it, she said it tastes like I'm putting applesauce on my toast, and I understand why she says that. It's a the they're not nearly so sweet as apple jelly that you would buy in the store. But that's good. I don't like things too sweet. Not even as sweet as um, Palan or all fruit or something like that. They're less sweet than that. It's more like you're eating apples. Or in Adrian's case, applesauce, you know. Uh, but I'm I'm very pleased with what we've ended up with. They have a nice, the the jam has a nice solid feel against the spoon and against your teeth and tongue, and um, taste wonderful. And boy, do we have a great supply of it now. And so, in addition to four and a half gallons of apple jam, we gleaned the trees yesterday and came up with another half bushel, at least slightly. More, than, more that, than half a bushel, uh, to, yeah. just to have fresh. So yeah, you were real well. frustrated with me for converting all the apples I had picked into <laughs> jam, and fortunately, the trees came through with just a few more apples that we can actually enjoy eating. Right, and they taste so good. The texture, they're nice and firm, and uh, taste better than any store-bought uh, apple I've had. So. Um, that's Yes, that's one reason I was frustrated that it all ended up in the jam. <laughs> and isn't that interesting? Last year when we tasted the apples, we said, oh, the wine saps taste so much better than the Anna apples do. This year, boy, they both tasted terrific. Just mm-hmm. oh, scrumptious. Makes me think that, that, that Anna just needed another year of maturity to really produce good fruit. That would be a wonderful result if that is in fact mm-hmm. the case. It could be that these conditions were just the right ones for the Anna That's apple this possible. year. Yes. Well, we learned a lot about diversity, didn't we, from this? You know, last week we talked about squash, and um, I'm continued. I'm continuing to be amazed at the productivity of my straight neck yellow squash. I just never would have predicted that out of all those types, that would be the hero out there this season. But it is. 
And the zucchini, meanwhile, is just, you know, the plant's doing fine, but the fruit is not, you know, I got, I think I said last week, two and a half zucchinis. So <laughs> isn't it good that I didn't put all my eggs in one basket in the squash department? We have lots exactly. of different varieties out there. And this particular season, one variety is leaping to the forefront. Next season, who knows? And switching venues here, uh, tomatoes. We mm -hmm. try to grow several different varieties of tomatoes, and you've been faithful to that this year. Right. Unfortunately, not in the early part of the season. I, I planted all early, girl, uh, because those were some plants I bought. I knew I liked the flavor of those. And um, so s s my second wave of tomatoes, I have you know, four or five different varieties planted out there. We'll see how they do. And I guess our lesson from that is even early in the season, you probably want to go ahead and plant at least a couple of plants that are more heat resistant. Well, the the only reason I didn't do that was um, I bought my plants from the Auburn plant sale and I could choose from among the varieties that they offered. And the solar fire and the solar type uh, were not among them. And, you know, I had the best of intentions of starting my seeds early and didn't, so just didn't happen. Yeah. In another year, we would start tomatoes from seed, and then we would have a much wider choice of cultivars. Mm -hmm. And okay. I will next year. Uh, interestingly, I had not ordered any solar-type uh, varieties, and I will next year because we saw what happened in June when it got so hot. They just shut down and stayed green. Yeah, we've set fruit we would have green tomatoes on the the plant in fairly good number, mm -hmm. and then they would just sit there and sit there and sit there. But I will say that the really good producers have been my cherry. I have a cherry and a grape. Oh, boy. They're and doing they great. they taste so good. Yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about blackberries in the context of diversity. I have been fussing about the, the poor performance of the Kiowa blackberries that we planted and I'm still dissatisfied with them but I'm no longer interested in pulling them and substituting something else I think I'll just leave those Kiowa alone yes they're not my favorite but they're producing and we can enjoy a few berries off of them and who knows next year may be the Kiowa's year to shine and the thornless blackberries that we actually prefer may not do well at all. Yeah, so. that's right. You don't know. And, of course, uh, we can apply the lesson of diversity to chickens. We now have two chickens that are laying for us, two hens, that um, on a regular basis, and I, producing about the expected number of eggs, yeah, they're four doing to well. five per hen per week. Uh, we'd like to have more eggs than that. Yes. So we need to introduce... Maybe different types of chickens, different Yeah, when we breeds. do, we'll, we, these are a cross between barred rock and Americana, and I'm sure when we introduce two more chickens, we'll use some different variety, some different... Two or more. We're not limiting it to two. But, uh, true. But yes, true. different different breeds, as they're called, yeah. different breeds, uh, just to see uh, what we get. And, and certainly there are, we will probably choose from among the dual purpose birds. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't have any interest in trying to get an egg laying you know, breed or a meat breed will do some kind of dual purpose breed because they tend to be more stable in terms of their personality. They're a little easier to work with right. and so forth. And then, of course, maybe you can think of other examples of um, diversity. Well, it just, a... it, it, 
almost go, permeates everything we do. We don't want to commit to one way of doing anything. We want to have multiple ways to accomplish what needs to be done so that if something, if one of those ways gets dealt a blow, the other can come through and fill in the gap. It extends to how we get water, how we cook, um, how we travel. We just, mm-hmm. all of it, we want to be able to do it in different ways, and that's the key to our resilience. All right. And and one other um, little surprise we've had in terms of fruit production, figs. LSU gold is the big winner this year so far. So far. It's just earlier, I think. Oh, you I, think, I think it is? Yeah, I think we'll get decent production from the LSU blacks, and um, and we've got a, a lemon fig that's slowly coming back after I bush hogged it. And we've got a tiger fig that is producing fruit for the first time this year. That tiger fig is how old? Three years, maybe. At least three, maybe four years old. And this year, for the very first time, we're seeing a fig or two. I don't know what to say about it other than it's about damn time. Well, I guess I was thinking, too, about the conventional wisdom around here is, oh, brown turkey or something that you're going to get. Just plant those. They'll do great. But aren't we glad that we tried something different? Absolutely. And the the LSU gold, and and I'm not saying that you listening to this are considering planting LSU gold, but there is one frustration about the LSU gold. It's very subtle about when it's ripe. You have to be studying it. In fact, you figured it out before I did. Even though I'm the orchard guy, you you noticed that the, one of the LSU gold uh, figs looked like it was ripe, and sure enough, it was delicious. I know because they're they are gold, and you're yeah, used they to don't a, turn dark. Yeah, to give you that visual cue that they're ripe. So you just have to kind of watch for a little subtle browning, like brown spots and kind of feel it to see if it's um, and look softening at it, up a little bit. And you see bit. a nice, big, luscious fig sitting there. You just want to pick it and eat it on the spot, which we did. And on a, muscadines, you've got some diversity there that's working for we you. We certainly have different uh, varieties of muscadines, and they're all doing well. Although, I will say, I've got some muscadine vines that have been planted. You know, the, both of them were planted three years ago, let's say, and one, and they're both the same size, but one of them is producing four or five pounds of berries, and the other is producing almost none. So I, I have no explanation for why one supreme muscadine is doing so well and the other is doing so poorly, but aren't we glad we have that diversity to go to choose from and then we've got lots of different varieties so we've got males and females and we've got granny val and we've got nesbitt we've got supreme and black beauty and noble so we got different uh, varieties going on out there and they're all have you know they all have their strengths and weaknesses again strength and diversity you bet <laughs> so that's a little summary of where we are hope you're having a great week stay cool and we will look forward to visiting with you next week take care You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. 
Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.